0: Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within and welcome to part two of uh, my portfolio construction webinar. Um, in the in the first one, we talked a little bit about things such as money management and risk, talked about specific risk versus systemic risk or risk of the marketplace. We talked about how many shares you should hold in your portfolio and just to give you a bit of a reminder, we talked about for investors, more like eight to twelve shares in your portfolio, and not necessarily to go over twelve, because you'd be what I would call diversifying your portfolio. Um, if you're more of a trader, and Tom talking about more of an experienced trader, one who understands risk and money management, all those two those key areas that we talked about. Um, if you understand that, you go down to five. But if you don't use stop losses, then I would suggest you don't even get anywhere near five shares. You have close at eight to twelve. 12 shares and that's probably one of the biggest sins that I find out I find with people when they're constructing portfolios and um, and or tell me they're traders and as you've probably heard me say enough times um, more than 90 plus percent of people who tell me they're traders aren't really traders in my book because I don't have a solid strategy it's more of that buy and pray method like I talked about before in in, in part one and that's how I find a lot of people um, invest and or trade the share market is they they think they're doing enough research but they really don't really understand or have a proper structured process towards creating their portfolio and all trading the market and uh, they really do buy and pray or they live in hope and that's that hope that I've got it right and, and to me I don't know about you but I, I really don't want to get on the marketplace when I'm just hoping that I'm getting it right because um, if you lose you lose um and all too often i find people that say to me oh look i've still got a couple of shares that you know i had before i read your book or you know before i came and started doing your education and i'm still hanging on to them and i go why you know if they've lost you that much money why you're hanging on to it and it's that emotional attachment that people have to it uh, but i would suggest the best thing you could ever do is to clean up your portfolio Um, and get rid of ones that are losing your money because they're psychologically damaging, if not as well as damaging to your portfolio. So as I said, you know, as a trader, we we don't want to invest more than 20% in any one share, but as an investor, as we talked about in part one, 8 to 12%, which is going to give you 8% will give you 12 shares, 12% will give you 8 shares. Um, So now you've got the real basics on framework and how to construct your portfolio. Let's have a look at the portfolio construction itself a little bit better because the list of shares you select for your portfolio will depend on the time you have available. And this is a really critical point. Often people think, oh, I'm just buying some shares and you know I'll make some money. But there is there needs to be a purpose for that portfolio. And this is where you've got to treat the share market like a business. You've got to have a plan and a strategy because often I see people take things out of context so they they might see something in the newspaper or some expert or broker rings them up about oh you need to buy this share whatever it is but there's no solid strategy structure and process because there's different types of portfolios that you can construct for yourself some people are more risk adverse so they would go for something more like a blue chip type portfolio other people um, are, uh, are quite happy to take on risk. So they might go to for a, a mid-cap or a high-growth type of portfolio. Other people are running a self-managed super fund and, and they want more um, cool high-dividend paying shares that are a bit more fully franked or higher fully franked. So there's lots of different styles of portfolios that you can actually create. And your specific portfolio should be created for you. And you might end up with a couple of different portfolios. If you run a super self-managed super fund, you might have a portfolio just for that. And then another one that you like to run yourself, which is outside of your super fund. So, and as I said, the list of shares you select for your particular type of portfolio will re- largely depend on the time you've got available. If you don't have a lot of time available, then picking more volatile shares is going to send you around the twist a little bit and add to your stress levels. Um, therefore, you need to be able to have shares that aren't as volatile, that you know, that, that don't move as much, and. So that they all don't move down as much and up and down all the time. Otherwise, the, you won't have time to manage them. And if you don't have time to manage it, then it's going to cause more stresses. So you need to have those resources available to you in time. And that understanding how to do uh, or how to construct that portfolio and manage it to get that goal of your portfolio. So that said, the vast majority of Australians, I recommend not straying too far outside of the top 150 stocks on the Australian share market and there are a few reasons I suggest this and before I actually mention what they are it's I'd I'd like to really preface this to saying that for our our clients that we manage tens of millions of dollars on their behalf in their portfolios I don't remember ever going outside the top 100 stocks on the Australian share market so when people come to me and say oh look you know the Australian share market's only two percent of the world market so there's a lot of opportunities we're missing out on I'm going holy holy molly I just I can't like there's already enough opportunities in Australia for us with really good shares why would I want to complicate the process by going offshore and adding in things such as currency risk and increasing costs and you know understanding the information and managing it. it's like it's it really does complicate the process i'm not missing out on opportunities by going not being overseas there's plenty for me right here um what i'm missing out on by not going overseas is a lot of extra stress that i don't actually need so staying in the top 150 socks and for more investors i'd definitely say the higher the better in terms of if you're more of a buy and hold type person top 20 top 50 max if you're very passive investor if you're a little bit more active than 100 out to the 100 even to the 150 but more no more than the 100 pretty much if you're a lot more active and you're doing a lot more research and managing your specific risk a lot more and has spending a bit more time on it then yes out to the top 150 the reason why we suggest these stocks is they're, uh, they're far more liquid than anything else because liquidity is a real key here and and getting a cheap stock at one or two or three cents or point something over cent, you may think you know you know because you've got a million shares or 10 million shares in a in a in a 0.1 of a cent share that doesn't make you a genius about making a portfolio and that you're going to be rich it just means you don't really understand what you're doing um, because you've got very little chance in getting those right and exactly um, I was meeting with I had a meeting with an expert and he actually worked it out they've got less than 1% chance of getting those ones right so why would you buy them I'd rather have a high percentage chance of getting it right. So you want to make sure your stocks that you're buying for your portfolio, whatever the portfolio style is, that they're highly liquid. And that's where the top 150 are quite liquid. Now, they're all profitable businesses, you know, with some of the best um, managers, CEOs in the country, MD CEOs in the country so they are like that because they are the best companies to make the best profits the best managers so it stands to reason that the growth is going to come from that so you know the whole idea is go with probability not speculation now the stocks you uh, in those sorts of areas in that top 20 top 50 top 100 top 150 are more purchased by the institutions and the institutions really do control all they not say they control the market what they do is that most of the trading and, and investing on the market is done by institutions and so they're providing a lot of liquidity for you and a little bit more and a lot more stability in that market because the stocks in those areas in that top, up to that top 150 are much less manipulated anything outside of that something out the top like top number 250 to 300 on the marketplace or even outside the 200. It's a lot easier to be manipulated. Um, another one is really they pay good dividends. Most of the stocks in the top 150 pay average um, dividend yields. Um, some of them pay way above average dividend yields. Um, but they're, they're good. If they're not paying a dividend, then you'd really question yourself well why you're owning a company that really doesn't pay a dividend. That said, Warren Buffett's company doesn't pay dividends. So it's not necessarily a negative, but I'd suggest in Australia it's normal. Uh, it's a normal thing that if a stock stocks do pay dividends so if they are paying it they're very good companies and you also get more reliable information out of these stocks in the top sectors and therefore it's much easier to retain or get unbiased information about it that can be easily validated and and for yourself because all too often people buy and rumor and speculation and you see it rife on those chat forums um and it's it's a, it's funny how many people you know might mention a chat forum to me and to this day i still have never ever met a full-time trader who makes their living out of trading sits on a chat forum. they don't they just don't do it and so to me it's still you know those chat forums are really the blind leading the blind uh, it's people living again in hope of getting a hot tip to make a lot of money and the old the old adage is it's slow and steady wins the race is so apt in the share market whether you're a trader or investor is so apt um, and don't kid yourself it doesn't change decade after decade after decade that will never never change so if you're in a hurry to make a lot of money that means you're in a hurry to lose a lot of money Oh uh, it does in my book anyway because i've seen it so many times um, as i said the reliable information you can get that the chances of any one of the companies in the top 150 going broke is so minuscule it's not funny so therefore again that's another quite good bonus of being in that and over the 10 over any 10 year period These stocks generally do produce very, very good returns. In fact, I've lost count of how many times I've been in a a seminar and I've said to people, you know, of the top 10 or top 20 stocks, does anybody think that all of them won't be double in price in the next 10 years? And it's pretty hard not to conceive that a lot of them won't be. Now, there are times that it probably doesn't happen. Um, But at the end of the day, if you're buying a good stock at a right time and letting it run and then getting out, you know at, at the right time there's no reason why you're going to get excellent returns out of those but unfortunately many newcomers to the share market believe that uh, investing in blue chip stocks is way too expensive and that buying cheap stocks is really is the way to go for achieving higher or above average returns but that's such an, an untrue statement is probably the easiest Thing for me to say it's no it's actually further from the truth than i've ever, ever heard it's it's so polar opposite they're getting great returns but this belief not only costs those people money it hinders their ability to concentrate on making profits because you know they're investing their faith and as again it's faith um on speculative stocks and again it's that buy and pray method you're buying something that's you know, all over the place and emotional and you're thinking, hopefully you're going to make good returns. And the interesting thing is I find people, they'll buy those shares and they might, you know, it might be one cent year and it goes to two cents and they go oh, I've doubled money in the last week. And I go, great, are you selling it? And they go, no, the thing is it'll go back to one cent or go back to half a cent. And I go, why didn't you sell it at two cents instead of, they can make a hundred percent profit oh well it'll go back up again so they they justify their inaction and just because you can buy a share doesn't mean you'll sell it you need to have a plan for buying and for selling not just for buying so really you, know, you are speculating in cheap stocks or people do 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 that and they're, they're speculating they will outperform the blue chip stocks where in reality as i said it really is the opposite Slow that steady does win the race the fact is you really want to do buy quality stocks not quantity it's not um, how many shares you own, it's the quality of the shares you own. If you make 10% on BHP or 10% on a one cent stock, you still made 10%. So it's not the amount of shares that you actually own, it's the percentage gain that you get. Um, and that's where a lot of Australians get it wrong. They're trying to own more shares, but. You want to own the ones that are going to make the gain for you. Um, And it's been a proven fact that contract traded portfolios like we talked about in part one really do perform far better than the highly diversified portfolio. So as I said, 8 to 12 for investors, 5 to 8 roughly for more traders. And again, if you're not using a stop loss, then you're not a trader. Uh, It's probably a really good thing you need to understand that if you're going down to five stocks in a portfolio, you need to be using stop losses to protect your capital so when constructing your portfolio and holding those five to twelve shares depending on where you are you really only need to invest in those top shares in the australian market Uh, and if you take this low risk methodical approach to investing over long term then nine times out of ten you will achieve far higher returns and if you try and beat the market averages by just picking the next bottom stock or bottom dwelling stock or picking the bottom Um, And I find that people in the industry go, you can't time the market because, and how they expose expose timing the market is saying, you know, pick the bottom and then pick the top. Well, that's not what traders do. And it shows you a distinct lack of understanding what a trader or a good investor does. You wait for something to hit the bottom and start to bounce up before you buy it. And you wait for something to rise to a top and start falling away before you're selling. So you're not trying to pick the extremes. You're trying to pick the safe pole piece in the middle and I teach you how to do that in my book how to beat the managed funds by 20% too I teach you stop losses and a whole range of things so if your portfolio is a little bit hit and miss and all over the place not really performing then maybe you should get a little bit of extra knowledge and, and as I said in podcast one I can't teach you everything in uh, in these podcasts it's a bit hard you need to do read about it and really pull you know pull pull your investing in trading apart if you're more into you know leaning towards the trading side and you want to get into trading but you're not sure where you want to start or whether you can actually be a trader um, or you understand what trading is about then maybe you'd like to get onto our trading mentor program it's written specifically for people like you it's really good getting started and you know, Janine and myself, who you listen to on podcast, we're the support team for that. So you can email us questions and get us to help you understand, you know, what to do. Uh, and you'll get an idea of you know, some buying and selling strategies, how to ma- manage your money, how to build that portfolio. You know how to use, and you'll start to understand the share market a hell of a lot more. We're constantly getting feedback from people on this, going, "Wow, I'm making money." I had feedback from a guy the other day. Who's been on it since just before Christmas, and uh, he says, from being a pretty much a tragic um, at trading and investing, uh, his email said, I think it was thirty-eight percent he's made in the last six, seven months on his portfolio. So I reckon that's a pretty good investment. And and people sometimes say, oh, you know, I don't want to spend the money on your diploma course. You know, it's it's expensive. But I, I look at it a different way. I go, well how much is it costing you for not doing it how much money are you not making by doing it how much losses you've had and i had a a gentleman talk to us the other day and he'd been trying to trade for nearly a decade now and he's hit and missing and i just i just said to him i said if you just halved and look at all your losses that you've had over the last 10 years and if we could just drop that in half the amount that you've lost by doing our diploma course, I'm sure that would have paid for the course. Or if we could help you make 10% extra profit on all the ones you've been profited on, I'm sure that would have paid for our diploma course. And and for most people, I'd say that would be accurate, um, especially those who have been trying over three, four, five years and not getting where they want to go. So it's not about how much the education is, is costing you right now. It's what you're missing out on by not being educated. And have a think about that. Um, because it is frustrating when you're having losses on the market. It is frustrating when your portfolio is not working properly. It is frustrating if you don't know what you're doing and I would not know about you but I'd rather be confident on the marketplace and know what I'm doing and know that if the market's not conducive to buying and selling what's going to happen. I go okay well, but my portfolio's going to dip for a little while and then it'll pick up again in six or eight weeks time and then we'll go again I'll buy some more and I'll take off again that's a really comfortable place to be into or be in uh, I think and just imagine what it would be like for you if you were on the marketplace and you're just confident you know what the market was going to do you know what the stocks that you own were going to do and you're comfortable in your strategy it's not hard you just need to start and just like walking you got to put one step in front of the other but we can't help you unless you want to help yourself so I will leave all that thanks for listening to this podcast um, as I said, if you need to chat to us, if you want to buy my book, How to Beat the Managed Funds by 20%, go online, um, give us a call uh, online to wealthwithin.com.au or give us a call on one 742 738 Give my guys a call. They're just happy to chat. They're traders and they're really happy to chat with you. They're not going to be selling you anything you don't want. So, um, you know, it's about relaxing and just have a good chat. If you really are seriously interested in the share market and, and wanting to do something for yourself, then... What do you got to lose? You're going to have a great chat. You'll learn a bit of stuff. And if you decide you want to do something with us, then that's great. If you're not, don't. That's okay as well. I'm Dale Gillum, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. You've been listening to Talking Wealth. And uh, good luck, good trading. And I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. For more information, products and services, and detailed show notes with a transcript for this podcast, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the News & Media tab in the navigation.